Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, it's great to celebrate with people. You know, the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. And also in the book of Romans, it, it tells us to uh, best way to live a life that matters uh, is to spend our time uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. And so uh, for those of you who uh, hit a great milestone, uh, next chapter, we do as your, as your faith family, your church family, we, we rejoice with you. Uh, it makes us happy to see God's blessing on your life and you stepping through the, the door to the next chapter. Um, it's pretty exciting to graduate from high school, isn't it? Those of us that did. How many? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, Gary, I told, a, I told a, a young man this last week. He said, well, you know, it's just high school. I said, hey, 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 I'm 64 years old almost. I'm still excited I graduated from high school. And uh, it's a great, great time. We're, we're proud, uh, very proud of you all. I, so last, uh, this weekend, last weekend, all over the, the country, Schools have been celebrating what is called commencement exercises. I like that title. I like that better than graduation. Commencement. I looked up the word and uh, the definition. It's fascinating. Uh, we're listening to this. This is just just a, 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 a little bit of the uh, the flavor of the meaning of the word commencement. It means literally to have or to make a new beginning, a start. It means to come to an end and come to a new beginning. It means to end one journey and begin another. Uh, and that's what, that's what many of you here have done, you high school students, you uh, undergrads and, and uh, graduate students. You, you've come to the end of a significant chapter and you've stepped through that door, but you're commencing, you're moving forward. Uh, to the a new beginning, a new chapter, and, and and for many of us, for all of us, actually, life is a daily commencement. Uh, the the biblical worldview, the teaching of our God in the Bible, the way to view life is that when the day ends, we that day, you know, we we get to close that chapter, and uh, then there's a new one, the next morning, the new one. Uh, and we get to wake up, and those of us who know the Lord, remember His Word says, and His mercies are new every morning. We get to, He's a God that lets us start over and uh, get a new start. Uh, a commencement. But you know, not everyone uh, does well in the next chapter. I've been thinking about a couple of people from my childhood days. This one fellow didn't start out to wreck his life. In fact, it looked quite promising. He was the star basketball player. He was the president of uh, the student body. He was a valedictorian of uh, his senior class, his graduating class. Very, very bright. Great, great leader. Yet 30 years later, he took his own life. And uh, his mama asked me to officiate his funeral. Sad day for me. She didn't start out to dash her dreams on the rocks either. No one does. No one starts out that way. Yet, halfway through the, her first semester with a full academic ride to the university, she was back home to 
expecting a child and working the night shift mopping the floor at a burger joint. It happens. It happens to people all the time. Great people, good people, bright people, promising people who commence but fail. Who commence but fail. Uh, they don't plan to. However, apparently they did not make intentional plans to succeed either. And we must do that. It reminds me of, um, of a passage of Scripture uh, that was penned to a young man named Timothy. This is God's... Here we find some of God's intentional plan to succeed with your commencement, with your graduation into the next chapter or the next day, whatever's coming, whether it's a new, uh, a new school or a new career or a new marriage or new whatever. Some of God's plan, not all of God's plan, because there's much here in the Scriptures for God's will and His ways for our lives. But the Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, wrote uh, two letters that we have, made it all the way into the Bible as Scripture, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, wrote to his mentee in the, uh, in, in the faith and in ministry to a young man named Timothy. Timothy, many scholars believe, was no older than those of you who've just graduated from high school. He may have been an older teenager, young man. He was the only pastor in the major metropolitan city of Ephesus. He had been appointed to be the pastor of the only church in the city of Ephesus. And uh, he had a daunting challenge. He had huge responsibility. He faced... Uh, challenges because of his age and people's perspective, plus just the the burden of the, the church and the ministry to a pagan culture that was very hostile to the faith, very hostile to followers of Christ. And and Paul was, in, was moved by God's Spirit to write First and Second Timothy as kind of an instruction manual. Here's what God would have you believe. Here's how God would have you think. Here's what God would have you do to be a success in this next chapter. And just one of the things that he said to Timothy will help you and me as we commence, as we step into the next chapter of our life and succeed. And here it is. It's found, again, if you take your Bibles, turn way back over, way back in the back to the little book of Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. This is God's Word. Flee from youthful passions... And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now look at, let me see your eyes a second. Here's what, that's what God said to Timothy. Here's what He says to you and me. If you would succeed... If you would succeed, you've got to run from the bad, run to the good, and do it with the right people. That's it. Run from the bad to the good with the right people. Let's unpack this just a moment. Let's, let's look at this a little bit deeper. If you want to optimize this next chapter, this commencement, then you must first of all run from the bad. Now, Among the many instructions that Paul gave to Timothy was this one. Flee from youthful passions. One translation says this, 
flee uh, the evil desires of youth. Now you might say, well, what are the what are the evil desires of youth? Well, here's what they are. They're the they're the evil desires of middle aged and old people. It's the, it's the same ones. I mean, do you really not? Can you really not imagine a, a list of the evil desires of youth, the youthful passions? If not, they need to take your diploma back. You need to go back to school. There's a one more course you need to take and um, flee from youthful passions. What he said here to Timothy was this, and he says to you and me: Run from what is destructive or damaging. Run from what is devastating and harmful. Run from what is hurtful and detrimental. Run from what is evil. Run from what is corrupt. Run from anyone or anything that is immoral. Run from what is depraved. Run from uh, anything or anyone uh, who are wicked or that is sinful. Flee the evil desires of youth. Run from youthful passions. Now, this little word flee here does not mean jog or trot or walk away. It means to bolt. It means to flee. It means to sprint as as far and as fast as you can away from the bed. It's the picture of someone who has an irrational fear of uh, snake. Are anybody here afraid of snakes? Okay, let's do this. How many of you just don't really kind of like snakes? You just kind of not like them. How many of you are afraid of them? How many of you are irrationally afraid of snakes? Okay, let me just talk to you a second. We're going to all talk about you. We're going to laugh at you a second. Um, it's the picture of someone who, who sees a snake in their path and they, they bolt. It reminded me of, I don't, I don't play much golf and you can tell when I do. But a few years ago, a couple of my buddies invited me to play and we were over here at Plantera and uh, on the... Um, on the ninth tee, our, our friend was stepping up. He was first up, Peter. And uh, we knew, we've known him a long time. He has an, he's not just afraid of snakes. He has an irrational fear. Well, my other friend has another sinful problem. He's sadistic. And he, he poked me and said, look, look at this. And he pulled out of his bag. I have never seen a more realistic replica of a water moccasin in my life. I mean, it was huge. It was the snake that could eat New York. It was, it was, it, I mean, it looked, it looked so real and it was coiled up, ready to strike. And he eased over and put it in the floorboard of his, of our buddy's golf cart. It was turned and we stood back. (laughs) And I am telling you, we all teed off, said, okay, let's go. And he walked over, we heard him scream. And he, uh, he fled his golf cart. <laughs> he, he hurt himself, actually. <laughs> Fell over his back. I mean, you know, it didn't matter. You know, you've seen people so frightened they hurt themselves running away. Now, that's funny, but that's the picture. That is the, that is the strength of this little verb, flee. Flee. As fast as you can, not only to run from destructive things, but be terribly afraid. And so you might say, and run because your life depends on it. Why? Because it does. It does. It does. Now you might say, well, Pastor, okay, I got it, no big deal. But I mean, why the, why the drama here? Why the dramatic? Uh, why should I have to run from this stuff? It's because it's running after you. The, the Bible describes sin 
as having a life of itself, personifies sin. In fact, it says that sin in one place is crouching at your door, ready to trap you, seize you. Uh, The Bible describes Satan as a lion seeking whom he may devour. He is coming after you. The world thought and value system is not passive. It is coming after you. It is predatory. It is predatory. And you got to run because it's running after you. It's running after you. And yet rather than run, what do we do? We tend to ease up to it. Look at it. And unfortunately, some of us just don't ease up. Some of you are going to experience this rush week when you go to school. You're just going to run, jump in the deep end of the pool. Run to it rather than run from it. Why is that? Why, why is that? You see, I, I would encourage you here to run. Those of you who are about to go to school or you're just getting out of school and you're still single, in the, run from the party scene. Run from it, not to it. Run from the money scene. The world thought and value system that says it's how much money you can make. Your net worth equals your worth. Uh, it does not. Run from the sexual immorality scene. And so why is it, why is it when we know that the youthful passions or the evil desires of youth are destructive, uh, they not only to us but to the culture, why is it that we, instead of running, we get as close as we can or just jump in? Here's why. It's because you believe something. It's because I believe something. We think, we actually believe, we believe something. We believe, it's because you believe that you'll be happier if you have sex with someone that you shouldn't. It's because you believe that you'll be happier if you visit that porn site. It's because you believe you'll be happier if you disobey God somehow. It's because you're depending on uh, something anti-God in His ways will make your life better. You believe my life will be better. It'll just be better. It'll be happier. It won't. Loving money will not cleanse and beautify your life. Loving fame and position and power or or sexual immorality, none of that, none of that will cleanse and beautify your life. It will not. Only faith in Jesus Christ and His magnificent love that He demonstrated when He died on the cross and rose from the dead for you and for me will be at work in our hearts and transform our hearts that will enable us, will motivate and enable us to run from the bad rather than run to it. That's the only thing. Run from the bad. So if you want to maximize your commencement, if you want to maximize your graduation, if you want to maximize your new chapter, whatever that new chapter is, run from the bad. But that's not all. He also says we must do another thing. We must run to the good. Run to the good stuff. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he said in verse 22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Paul told Timothy that he needed to run after some good things with just as much energy and just as much intensity as run away from the bad. Now, the, the word pursue means to, to chase after something with the, with the firm intention of grasping it, of attaining it. Run 
to whatever is constructive, to whatever is positive, to whatever is productive, whatever is beneficial, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Uh, we sang the first song of the service. Whatever is true, whatever is right, lead me in the way everlasting. Whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, morally excellent. And Paul gave Timothy four uh, things specifically that you and I should also pursue. And here's what he said. Look at it in verse 22. He said, pursue, chase after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, when he speaks of righteousness, he is speaking of pursuing a, a, a right relationship with God, pursue being made right with God in a way that only becomes possible through faith alone in Christ alone and His death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. He makes us right with God. But to pursue a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ in such a way that He turns us into people who think and choose and act righteously. Because when we're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, He works in our hearts from the inside out and turns us into the kind of people who begin to think right and begin to act right and begin to live right. We become righteous. Pursue righteousness. Not only that, He said pursue faith. Pursue faith. Now faith means a, 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 a growing in your practical trust in and confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means growing in an ever-deepening dependence upon God. So much so that we, we yield uh, control of, our, of the direction and pace of our life to Him. Love means it's not an emotion. It means an action. It is the capacity. It is an ability to... Ever in, in an ever-increasing fashion, love and honor God and love and serve people, even hard to get along with people. Pursue that. And to pursue peace. Peace with God, peace with other people, inner peace of heart and mind. It is a deep inner sense of well-being regardless of the circumstances. Now, these things are somewhat uh, sequential. For when you commit to developing a right relationship, with the Lord Jesus Christ, you get to know Him better. And when you get to know Him better, the better you get to know Jesus, who is the God of the Bible, the more you will trust Him because Jesus is the most trustworthy being in existence. You will trust Him more, and that is faith. And faith practically means giving up control in an ever-increasing confident way, control of the direction and the pace of our life. Now you can jot that down. Here's how you know if you're living by faith. You consciously yield control daily to Jesus for the direction and the pace of your day, of your year, of your life. That's faith. And the better that you know and trust Jesus, the more He turns you into a loving person, a love-filled person. And the more you know, love, and trust Jesus and love people by doing loving things to and for them, the more Jesus gives you His peace that surpasses comprehension, righteousness, faith, love, peace. Get after these things, He says. But now there's one more thing. If you wish to maximize this next chapter, your commencement, your graduation, run from the bad, run to the good, but also 
run with the right people. Run with the right people. And who are they? Well, take a look at it. They are, verse 22 tells us, those who call on the Lord Jesus from a pure heart. From a pure heart. You see, Paul told Timothy to hang out with people who were also followers of Jesus and were pure-hearted about it. That means they were authentic. Not perfect, but they were real. They, they were committed also to following Christ. And they also lived a lifestyle of running generally away from the bad and running to the good. Now, some of you who've been around here for a while might be saying, well, Pastor, now wait a minute. Haven't you been teaching us for years that we are to make room in our lives for far from God people? I mean, haven't you been saying for years we're to love that lost people matter to God and they ought to ma- matter to us? That, that we are to love and respect and, and, and uh, serve and enjoy all every individual on the planet, uh, even people who reject Jesus, who are far from Jesus, we're to be salt and light for them, love them. Didn't you say we're to be close to people? Yes, I did. And continue to do that. However, if the people in your life who are far from Jesus are your closest friends, your main source of community and relationship and fellowship, they will tend to cause you to stop running from the bad, running to the good, and they will cease to cause you to begin running after the bad stuff. That's how you can tell you're you're out of order. And so here's what I would say, and here's what God says here in His Word. Make your best friends, make your main source of community Christ followers who are pure-hearted about it. Again, not perfect, still flawed human beings who sometimes sin, but the general direction of their life is, I want to, I want to know Christ and I want to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace in Him. Sincere people from a pure heart. Now practically, students, let me speak to you for a second. Here's what that means. And for those of you who are going to new chapters in life, new communities, practically, if you're going to a new campus, I I want to encourage you to certainly be a part of Christian campus ministries. Uh, There's the Baptist campus ministries on every college and university campus. That's a good one. There's oper- uh, there is a campus outreach. That's a good one. When I was in college, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now called Crew. I, that's another good one. The Navigators uh, is another great campus. Min- uh, there are many, many, many good ones. InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, many, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Many, many, many good ones. Yes, 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 yes. But no, do that. But that is, that is not your church. You also need a church family. You need a church family. When both my daughters went away to college their freshman year, here's what I said. You may want to take a semester. You've always had to go to church with me. You don't know. And so take a semester and enjoy visiting and getting to know what God's doing in the church family around the city in which you're now dwelling. But then pretty early by the second semester, I want you to find a church family and commit to it and join it and move your membership from this church to that church. I'll tell some of you, you no, they're not going to leave our church. Yeah, they're supposed to. And and kids, no matter what your mama says, when you leave here today, said, don't you do what the pastor said, you do it anyway. 
See, this will always be your home church. We're going to always be your home church. But now you're grown up. You got to leave us. You got to find a home church. And you need a church in that university or that college town. Because you're going to live in a you're going to go live in a real world that's unreal in the college. The college and university campus is weird. And um and besides that, besides that, you are and I'm you are going to a moral and spiritual wasteland for most of you who are going to college. And you need a church family. Besides that, you know you don't just need to hang around with college kids. Because they're just like you. You you need to, a church family where you can press in and 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 have an intergenerational faith family where you've got spiritual grandparents and where you've got spiritual parents and you've got brothers and sisters in Christ and you've got kids the next generation younger than you that you can in, invest in. That's real life. You need that. You you need that when you're at the university. And then you need a small group. Join a life group. Join a ministry team. Uh, you need that. Let those be... Again, you're going to have good friends. You may be in a sorority. You may be in a fraternity. Those don't tend to make you more like Jesus. But you, probably, you may do that. Uh, and and you know, you're, going to be in, you're going to do other things. You're going to have other great friends. But let your closest, the people that you are receiving your fellowship from. Be those who are running from the bad to the good along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Listen to this Psalm 1. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the law, in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. But some of you might be saying to me now, Pastor, um, but I'm, I think I'm one of those people who do the opposite of this. I tend to run away from the good and I tend to run to the bad with the wrong people. I mean, I tend to flee from righteousness, love, faith, love, and peace. And I tend to run to and toward the evil desires of youth. And I do it with people who, are, who reject God with bad hearts. What's wrong with me? And I don't have any problem with that. I just, I mean, I, that's what I naturally do. That's what I happily do. I just, I mean, that's, so that's where I am, honestly, well, here's what you there are three things you need to do. First of all, you need to you need to realize that you are probably not a Christian. You're probably not. You're probably not saved. You've probably never been born again. You've prob you you most likely are still what the Bible calls dead in your trespasses and sins means dead to a relationship with God at, at all. You most likely do not have eternal life. Now, some of you are saying, oh, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute, Pastor. I was baptized when I was nine years old in this church, or I was confirmed 
uh, I went through confirmation at my other church, or I was christened. I mean, I've had first communion. Listen, I don't care if you're baptized in that pond down there until every turtle knows you on a first name basis. If if you have if you are running to the bad, from away from the good typically with people who reject God eagerly out of bad hearts. And you, and you can do that freely with no problem, without any, any desire to resist temptation. I don't know what you are, but you are not a Christian. I mean, you're not. And you're probably in trouble. And so... What to do about this is to first take an honest assessment of your situation. To know where you are. Second, you must repent of your sins. It all starts with acknowledging that, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm I'm apart from God. Second, we must repent of your sins. I tell you this every week. And that means that you change your mind about your sins, yourself and Jesus Christ, and you change your direction to follow Jesus rather than following yourself. It's like I told you about the day I was downtown Atlanta and not paying attention. I turned onto a multi-lane street and found myself going the wrong way on a one-way street. All the traffic was coming toward me. I quickly realized not only was I going the wrong way, I was in danger. I did a U-turn right there in the street and went the other way in the right direction toward safety. That's what repentance is. When we repent of our sins, we realize I'm going the wrong way toward destruction. We repent of our sin and we turn to God through Jesus. Third, we believe in Jesus. That means not only that we acknowledge that He has died on the cross in our place because of our sin and rose from the dead and is alive today, proving that He is who He said He is and can do what He claims that He can do, but it also means that we put our active trust in Him. Some of you, as I talked to this morning, this afternoon, or tomorrow, early in the week, as a part of your celebration for your uh, commencement, your graduation, you're taking a trip. Many of you are going to be getting on airplanes. Believing in Jesus is kind of like getting on that airplane. You've got to make arrangements. You must Schedule it, get your ticket, get a ride to the airport, check your baggage, get out to the gate, board the plane, buckle yourself in the seat and let it take you to the beach. But you can believe all day long that that plane is going to leave Atlanta and end in Daytona Beach all you want to, but unless you get on the plane, it's going without you. That is faith. That is believing in Jesus. It is placing our active trust in Him to forgive us our sin, adopt us as His child, give us His gift of eternal life, and put us in, let us live under, under the care and supervision of Christ in this life and the next. Admit that you're probably, realize you're probably not a Christian. Desire to repent of your sins, come to Christ and put your faith in Him. Some of you are ready to do that. And I want to give you the opportunity now. Pray with me. Let's pray. I'm going to coach you through a prayer. These are not magic words. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. But if this expresses the genuine desire of your heart, let these be your words to Christ from your heart to Him. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit I have gone my own way 
I have sinned with my thoughts and words and actions. I am sorry for my sins. I turn from them to you in repentance. I believe you died for me, taking my sins in your body on the cross. And I thank you for your great love. Now, I open the door of my life to you. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and take control of me. And I will serve you as you give me strength all my life. All of my life. Now look at me a second. If you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus, there's one more thing you should do, and, and that is this. Now, this, this is a first step of obedience after becoming a follower of Jesus. Confess Him publicly by being baptized. That's the way He designed for us to do it. He requires all new believers to celebrate their new life in Him with baptism. He says this in Matthew 10, Therefore, everyone who confesses Me before men, I will also confess him before My Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Hey, everybody, take this communication card from your bulletin. Take it and look on the back side. Grab a pen. Here's what I want you to do. If you today, for the very first time, prayed to receive Christ, repented of your sins, placed your faith in Jesus, check that statement that says, Today I prayed and asked Jesus into my life and will respond to help you with your next steps. Some of you need to join this church family. Let this be your place of fellowship. Uh, check that statement that says, I want to join Dogwood. Sign me up for the next Dogwood Journey Belong class. Those of you who need to confess Christ publicly through baptism, then let's do that. Check the statement that says, I would like to talk with someone about baptism. And we will arrange for your to celebrate your Christian baptism. Pray with me. So, Lord, thank You. Thank You for new beginnings, new chapters, graduations, commencements. And now we ask that You, by Your grace and the power of Your Holy Spirit, give every one of us the motivation and the enablement, the desire and the power to run from the bad, to the good, with the right people. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.